the cheeseheads who want it fresh and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral. This is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Maggie J. Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And I feel like we haven't done this in a while. It, I know. At least we like we haven't had real football to talk about to the point that I gave my Twitter handle instead of my actual name doing the intro. It feels like we got to get back. It's training camp for us too, right? We got to get in the swing of doing the podcast on a more regular basis heading into the preseason and training camp or preseason and the NF. See? Preseason and the regular season. But we do have <laughs> meaningful NFL football starting tomorrow. The Jets and the Browns play the um the Hall of Fame game Thursday, August 3rd. So, I don't know if we do you think we'll see Aaron Rodgers? I guess that's kind of the big question. Hell no. <laughs> no way. <laughs> you don't think he'll want to trot out there and take some snaps in the preseason with his brand new team? And If he does, it's going to be a singular snap. <laughs> just one. Just, just one. a handoff. Just a handoff and then. Yeah. I, I can see him doing that, though. You know, that I could see him doing that with his new team, but. That's that's not what we're here to talk about today, right? It we've we don't actually have to talk about Aaron Rodgers anymore. So <laughs> somehow the show has already mentioned him. <laughs> to be fair, the Jets are playing, so that the Jets are playing. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Does anybody? Do you watch the Hall of Fame game? Normally, I'll have like the preseason games on, unless the Packers are playing in the background, like while I do things. So it'll be yeah, on, I'm yeah. sure. But like, that's I'm how I treat like, baseball. I'm not gonna like sit down and watch it. Cool. But we've had a week now of Packers camp. And before they kick off week two, we thought we'd do like a fun sights and sounds episode. We tried to get some actual sound from some of our friends that are on the ground in Green Bay. But everybody's busy, right? Because training camp is happening and there's a lot of content to be to be created. So we're going off of what we are seeing and hearing from the Internet because we are not there in person. But Lots of, you know, I think hot topics, right? Jordan Love having some really nice practices. It sounds like the defense is just phenomenal looking against this young offense. So lots of things to dive into, but where do you want to start? Yeah. Um, well, I guess a few things that I noticed today being that the Packers did make a couple of cuts. Um <laughs> So those are not fun. So like, let's like maybe get them out of the way. But the Packers cut outside linebacker Ladarius Hamilton um, today. They've already cut Jonathan Garvin, which I don't think should really be a surprise, um, given that Garvin has not really played or practiced. They tried to move him around, um, etc. They claimed a linebacker off of waivers today, Aaron Mosby. Mosby. So some like depth moves um, happened and now to the fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's hard. because <laughs> I know they just signed a wide receiver a couple days ago and everyone was like, who is wearing number 16? Like this stuff always right. happens training camp. There are bodies turning constantly. Um, so let's talk about some of the faces that we think are more likely to make the roster. Um, okay, let's talk about our quarterback because <laughs> he's, a lock. he's a lock for the 53. Because, yeah, maybe a little bit. They only like enraged the entire league by taking him. Um, so, 
from what I have gathered from Twitter, the Twitter sphere X. No, we're calling. Right, it Twitter. I was gonna say. Um, sorry, Elon, but this is still Twitter. We don't live in Gotham City. Um, he has progressively built upon his practices, and let's be real, right? They've only just put the pads on. We haven't seen any live game action, so we take this always with a grain of salt. However, I think like the key for me is like, and this is going to be the key for the entire season. So don't get bored of me continuously saying this, but like growth, right? Are you getting better step-by-step every day? And from what it looks like, from what we're able to see, and I actually think we're seeing a lot more than usual because fans are being homies and posting videos that they're probably not supposed to be posting. (laughs) Um, But it does really seem like there has been- Shout out to Big B. Shout out with me. Um, progressive, you know, just like progressive big steps forward, right? The footwork is there. The deep ball is there. He's hitting the checkdowns when he needs to. He's hitting his second reads when he needs to. He's like apparently just like totally owning the out routes. Like there's just clear things that Jordan Love is doing well. He has like full command of the offense, which Matt LaFleur has said on multiple occasions, but it also, you just like get that vibe from the way that he's holding himself, the way that he's directing practice, the way that all of his, all of his teammates have rallied around him, which again, that's what you're supposed to do, but it's still nice to hear. So just really liking the way that Jordan Love has kind of like stepped into this role and so far, the arm is there, the feet are there, and we'll just kind of see what he's able to do when he actually gets out into the field. Yeah, and I really appreciate perspective from, you know, reporters and analysts that aren't Packers reporters and analysts, because Packers reporters and analysts have to be, I think, kind of careful about the things they say, and they don't want to come off as being biased, but no matter how they spin it, they either are being overly critical or overly praising of you know, of his performance. So I really appreciate it. I don't know if you saw Eric Crocker actually retweeted the incomplete to Jaden Reed and basically said all incomplete throws are not created equal. And this is a really impressive throw that would get his receiver open. And these are some things that, you know, we noticed coming out of college and in his first couple of years in the limited time, we got to see Jordan Love play that there were things he needed to work on. So some of his ball placement, that we're hearing at least in the little clips that we're seeing, like you said, the stolen footage, it's been fun to see. And of course, you know, you take these things with a grain of salt for every really nice throw. There's probably a throw that nobody records because it was bad news, but there's things that you like and things you want to see from your quarterback in this year of his development. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I'm glad you brought up that throw. Cause that's of course a site that I was happy to see. Um, I think the theme of the last handful of practices for me is that he's really putting the ball where it needs to go. And I mentioned this just now, but like, are you, he's not forcing it, right? He's not forcing the deep pass if he doesn't need to. Of course, there have been a handful that are beautiful. There was one to Christian Watson that everyone was talking about. Um, So you love to see that connection, but he's not, he's just putting it in windows. And now multiple of his receivers have said this, he's putting it in windows that it makes it so that as a receiver, only you are able to get that ball. He's not putting in jeopardy of the defense, making a play on it. He's not, you know, if he is putting it kind of outside that window, it's to the sideline. And so it's an incompletion, like just safe, play which is really nice and something I have been thinking a lot about is I'm sure he learned from Aaron Rodgers like notoriously 
the most like risk averse quarterback in the league known for not throwing interceptions known for putting the ball in a place where if the receiver can't make the play, nobody else is getting that ball, right? The king of throwaways essentially. So um, it's good to see that Jordan Lovis has also picked up that skill. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's fun to see the connections that he's developing with all three of his top receivers, right? We saw the 67 yarder. I think it was to Christian Watson. We saw the Romeo Dobbs high ball over Jair Alexander, which is really fun. And then that, that throw to Jaden Reed that wasn't a completion in the video, but it still demonstrates their ability to kind of read one another and no pun intended and, uh, and get open and uh, see the field. So really cool stuff there. I haven't, I don't know about you. Maybe I'm just not missing or not seeing it on Twitter, but I haven't seen a ton from the tight ends other than they look good and they look like NFL tight ends would look as rookies. Um, Yeah. It's funny that you bring them up because so for those that are maybe new to the show, hi to our new listeners going into the season. Um, something that you all should know is that Maggie and I have like full nine to five jobs. So <laughs> we are not scrolling. We do this for funsies and we're not like scrolling Twitter 24 seven during the day. Um, so I do my check-ins on practice either at my lunch break if they happen early in the morning or when I get home. So to your point, it's perfectly fair that maybe we're not hearing or seeing a ton from the tight ends or you and I are just maybe missing some of the news. However, I will say, I think Tucker Kraft I've seen has been in and out of practice a little bit. I know he missed a practice or two with an unknown injury. Um, And so it's really been like Luke Musgrave and Josiah DeGuara. I have been hearing that the connection between Josiah DeGuara and Love is still very much there. I think his very first throw to camp at at camp was to um, Josiah. So that's real. Um, But in their defense, tight end is notoriously one of the most difficult positions to make that jump. And so I don't know if I assign too much meaning um, to the fact that we haven't heard much from them other than that, like you said, they look great. They're running with the ones. Um, I did hear that Luke Musgrave was getting a ton of work blocking in this last practice and he looked like an absolute monster. So that's important because we know Matt LaFleur is going to ask a lot from not just the tight ends, but everyone on the offense to block. And when you're that big, um, that's something that you should be doing. And we're going to have to really fill that Mercedes Lewis hole um, on the offense this season. So tight ends getting blocking work. But again, if your tight ends are like practicing blocking, that's not really that exciting. So I'm not surprised. You know what I mean? That we're not getting like all this, like Luke Musgrave going up against the pads, you know? Right. Yeah, I I did see the Tucker craft had said that his biggest learning point since he'd been at camp was how to combo block. So that is, you know, again, things that they're, they weren't asked to do as much in college that now they're jumping into at the pro yeah. level. But I, this is a soundbite from last week. This was like right when camp opened, but I really liked um, since we're talking about sights and sounds, Matt LaFleur was talking about the way that Kraft and Musgrave study. And he said like at times they almost have to protect them from themselves because they're like the first ones there, the last ones to leave. They're just always together studying the playbook. Like they just are always in the building going over plays. And it's like one of those things where it's like, we really appreciate this. This is amazing. Like you can tell how much they want to put in the work. 
Um, yeah. So really like that but mentality. <laughs> yeah, go get some rest. Yeah. Oh, that warms my heart. I think you kind of knew when they got drafted almost back to back that they were going to be buds. Um, but it's nice, I think, to have someone to lean on for sure uh, when you enter in the same class, if you will. Um, you mentioned the Romeo Dobbs catch, and I actually want to go back because that was one of my sights because I yeah. think it got its hype as it should um, from whichever fan. And I apologize. I'm going to look actually right now. Ober Sports posted it. And for those of you who have never been to camp, right, it's not all like scrimmage, if you will. They do a lot of different things, and a lot of those are – one-on-ones with the receivers against um, the corners. And so this is, that's what this is. This is not like game, you know, esque film. This is just like a one-on-one Dobbs on Jair. And you give the nod to Jair pretty much on every play. And if anyone, I mean, I especially have been paying attention to that name. Apparently he's been just like absolute lockdown all of camp so far to no one's surprise. Um, And Dobbs just like, totally mossed him on this which again there's like this is not live game like etc etc but it's really fun to see a player who had such an inconsistent rookie season where his highs were really really exciting and he showed those flashes but his lows were of course him battling a couple of injuries like looking like the guy that you hope he's gonna be and become because you want him to make that jump I mean him and Watson are the vets quote unquote, this season. Um, And I think my favorite part of that clip was at the end, you see Jair just like give him his flowers, right. And clap and just say like, yeah, that, that was a great play on for from you against me. Like, well done. Yeah. And I mean, I think, well, I'll be wearing my Dobbs jersey to the opener. I'm just putting that out there that that you will also be at left in your Jair jersey, maybe probably. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, I think you can even tell like the the training that Jordan Love and the receivers and Aaron Jones and all these guys put in offsite in California, like this team cares. And Jacob Morley of, you know, Pack a Day Packer Report, if you don't follow him on Twitter, you should. Um, one of his tweets I saw a couple days ago that has really resonated with me that I've been thinking about. It's just like you expect players to hype up their team and say like, yeah, we th- like Jordan Love's good. Like he's going to be great because no player would come out and say like yeah our quarterback stinks but they don't just say hey we think Jordan Love is going to be good they say like we think he is going to be good because of xyz traits that we see in him as a human being and a leader and a football player and you know those are things that players don't have to do right they can give you the little sound bite that says like yeah we're fine we're going to be great he's good but they're going like out of their way to not hype him up it's not the right word but to I think it just shows the closeness that I think we'll see from this team. And you and I have talked about it before, like this mentality that they're not used to being the underdogs and they, maybe this will be like a rallying point, but I think this team is really, really, really motivated to go out there for Jordan. I think a huge key to their success this season is, is their relationship with one another, right? Their communication, their trust, et cetera. And like, I don't mean that in a, like, oh my God, I love this team and I hope they're best friends. Like, I mean, literally on the field, like they have to know each other inside and out because there are going to be inconsistencies. That's just like the nature of basically 
being like a brand new offense, but the closer that they are, the more on the same page that they are, the more they trust one another, the smoother executing is going to be and the more likely that they're going to be successful and like ultimately win games. So I totally agree with you, like seeing the work kind of like culminate bit by bit, practice by practice is huge for when we finally get to the real season. And I know he's not on the team anymore. I don't want to keep bringing him up. It feels like Voldemort, right? Like, but it's something that we talked about every off season with Aaron Rodgers and rookie wide receivers and tight ends and the the period it takes for them to acclimate, yeah. you know, getting on the same page. I know when MVS was a rookie, they were talking about Aaron Rodgers having to learn the speed that he ran because you're just not used to that. And you saw it took a couple seasons with Devontae and with Jordy and the connection that they made paid dividends and they were like one of the most deadly combinations in the league and i'm not coming out here to say that like jordan love and christian watson are going to be the number one qb wide receiver duo in the nfl we would love it if they were but you know those kind of relationships and the trust that they're building now is what's going to pay off down the line when they have some of those early season struggles as a young offense the relationships that they have i think will be able to carry them through those mistakes a lot better than if they didn't have all of these moments a hundred percent a hundred percent so okay the offense is so fun, but let's push to the <laughs> really quick. I know the offense is like the like brand new shiny toy. Um, Absolutely. Defensively, though, like they've been winning consistently um, in eleven on elevens every week, which look should not should, should surprise no one. Okay, right. This defense has essentially been playing together now for three seasons. They are allegedly and on paper meant to be an incredibly dominant force. So. Should you expect them to be absolutely owning this like brand new baby offense? <laughs> yes. So good. Great. Done. Put that aside. That's like bare minimum baseline. I think it's been really fun to hear how some of the younger guys are developing. It's really fun to hear that Devonta Wyatt is, you know, mauling guys in practice. Yep. It's awesome to see videos of LVN just like looking like a, hulk of a human um i know he's called hercules but i'm gonna call him the hulk for this purpose (laughs) um and like i said like the corners are showing up showing out we have a new name it's strap city um and you have jair being his like lockdown self you're hearing really great news you know sound bites that they really think that rashawn and eric stokes are on track to be back for the beginning of the season which is an amazing thing to hear considering how gruesome both of their injuries were. So the defense is starting to come together. Now we know players were never really the issue. So it's TBD for the beginning of the season. However, the dominance is I think just like a good thing. It's a good sign. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we, there were things going into the off season that we had, assumed or that we would hope would happen like Devonte Wyatt taking a leap is needed right Kenny Clark doesn't have a ton of help Devonte Wyatt and TJ Slayton were the only linemen in the room with the departure of Dean Lowry and Jaron Reed that had taken any NFL snaps so that was that was significant that was needed but hearing him look the way that he looks so far in camp is fantastic hearing the Quay Walker you know spent most of the off season thinking about his ejections and, you know, not that you want these guys to like beat themselves up about it, but it's growth, right? Like they're young. 
And this just shows that it's something he's going to be cognizant of going into next season. And it's something that he knows he needs to learn from. So there is a lot of maturity, I think, that came with the first round picks. And just a, and the rookies in general, I think yeah. there's just a really mature mindset for a lot of these players that I think they're realizing these these opportunities in front of them. Because like you said, it is a very loaded defense, but it, it's also a young defense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've been loading up at the position or at on that side of the ball in the draft. Right. And these, this is not a team full of, you know, 30 plus year old vets. These are guys who have been drafted in the Goop tenure the last like, or at least a little bit before him the last five, six years. Like these guys are still either reaching their prime or before their prime. Um, I want to just take a second, quick sound bite. We should really start clipping these sound bites because they're so good. Um, look, we all love a Jair interview. Um, he's a very animated and fun guy to listen to speak, but he also has, I think, a really interesting perspective on life and the game and et cetera. And he is, I mean, with Rashawn out, like he's a very vocal leader on that side of the ball. And so I found it really, really um, pointed that when asked about what happened last season, he really didn't, and you could sense some frustration last year boiling over, and that came out in some interviews. But, you know, you said it, I think there was some reflection this offseason, and he came out and just said, like, there's really no excuses, right? There's our coach makes plays, and we are good enough on this side of the ball to execute no matter what that play call is. Like that is the standard that we hold for ourselves and we just didn't execute properly. And I thought that was kind of one point that he made. And I thought, you know what? Good on you, right? This team decided to bring your defensive coordinator back, regardless of how you feel a bit about it. He is your coach and you are backing him. And that is a good leader. The second point that he made was, his own personal accountability and saying, I've actually looked back at the tape and I've seen that maybe I actually play too far off, whether that's true or not, than what Joe has asked me to do. So I've done work to tighten myself up during certain off coverage situations. And again, just like a true leader, maybe deflecting the true nature of the question, but saying like, here's what I've done in order to be able to go out there and be a better version of myself when these play calls are played, because let's be real, right? This team is not going to play a hundred percent man. They're not going to play press on every play and they have to be able to execute in zone. And so if Jair is saying like, Hey, this was a weak point in my game that I now went back and said, okay, now I'm going to fix it. So I did love hearing that from him and um, hope to see it on the field, but like not too much, Joe. Not too much. <laughs> I am really curious to see too, what kind of impact Greg Williams has, because it sounds like the players, the DBs really love him. The new passing game defensive coordinator. Um, yeah. Obviously we know that Jerry Gray left um, to the Falcons. So kind of a little bit of a coaching change there with the secondary. And I'm curious to see, if that makes a difference. Keyshawn Nixon, I think it's fun to note, got a little bit of work with the offensive side of the ball. Um, we know he's an all-pro kick returner. It sounds like he's been absolutely dynamic as a nickel defender in camp so far. Um, so, you know, until we to get the prognosis on Eric Stokes and when he's returning, it, it seems like it'll be Rasul Douglas and Jair Alexander on the boundary with Keyshawn Nixon in the slot. And I think that's 
there's a lot to like there. Keyshawn Nixon yeah. getting his looks, and I'm impressed by at least the limited things that I've seen and heard from him so far. I think if anything, like he deserves the nod. Right? Absolutely. He came in, he put in his work, he sat on the bench when he should have been out there <laughs> making plays. And when he did, he showed that he's an all pro. So um, I love that he is, I love that he's getting his shot. And I think also just based on like skill and roster uh, construction, it totally just like makes the most sense. I, I don't want to jump back, but I did also want to mention that I heard today and no yesterday uh, that the Packers, I thought it was interesting that they shifted their offensive line a little bit, right? We thought going into mm-hmm. camp that the right tackle battle would be between Yash Nyman and Zach Tom. And then on Tuesday's practice, Zach Tom was actually getting looks at center and Yash yeah. was playing right tackle. So, you know, make of that what you will. I know Zach Tom said he bulked up like 15, 20 pounds to, to be bigger for the season, which was one of the knocks in his rookie campaign. So really curious to see kind of who they think the best five are, because I think they have six good offensive linemen. You could argue, obviously like two or three of those are great elite at this point, but that's a, that's a battle that I think will be hotly contested too. A hundred percent. I'm glad you said best five. Cause I think that's just what they're trying to figure out. Right. They're just like, it's camp. Let's move y'all around, see where you work best. Um, I have a feeling that the Packers are certainly realizing that they have guys who are great, either at least good, if not great at multiple positions on the line, which is like not a problem to have, but seems to be a theme with this team. Um, And as a soundbite, sights and sounds, David Bakhtiari did have really positive things to say about Zach Tom. And he did also mention um, that he looks a little bit bigger. He's kind of like filled out his frame needed to be um, a little bit of a hardier tackle frame. So um, corroborated by 69 himself. (laughs) All right, let's kind of start wrapping this up, but I do want to talk about the safeties because that seems to be one of the more hotly contested, or at least we thought it would be a hotly contested position battle. And it turns out that Rudy Ford is basically hitting all the starting. <laughs> right? We thought it was going to be like a huge rotation and it's Rudy Ford secondary and Darnell Savage. So, you know, I know that guys like um, Jonathan Owens, they'll get their looks uh, more. will get his opportunities too, considering he was just signed this off season, but yeah, it's, it's Rudy Ford secondary right now. And the other guys are just kind of living in it. Yeah, it's fair. You know, like Rudy had some really nice plays last season when asked to, he has a nose for the ball. Certainly had more interceptions than I think anyone would have ever expected from him. So um, I'm fine with it. Right. I think also like we talked about so much already, like consistency is going to be pretty key. And if Darnell Savage play is, he's the only one that had played with, Darnell last season right so at least there's some level of like comfortability communication like understanding of the playbook between the two of them um and I think the bar is like very low for the safety position right now in order to be a starter so if they just want to stick with two guys who know each other and have worked in this secondary for at least a season already to start the season off fine by me I think that makes perfect sense I agree. So let's let's wrap then. It's not fun, right? But talking about special teams, because the Packers do have a new kicker. Mason Crosby remains a free agent unsigned. And it sounds like Anders Carlson, who they drafted, is struggling a little bit. Mm. But it also sounds like the Packers 
knew that going into mm. this and were kind of prepared to weather the storm. So do you think there's a scenario where we see Crosby come back maybe around <laughs> preseason time? Or do you think that no. they're going to weather the storm regardless? No, 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 no. If they were bringing back Crosby, they were going to bring back Mason Crosby already. Um, I don't know. I think I'm the only one that's, like, not that concerned. Like, he's a rookie. He He's going to have his own growing pains, right? Like, we're just so conditioned, just like we are at the quarterback position, to expect like literal perfection from our kickers. Like we have like, like Mason Crosby is going to probably end up in like the Packers hall of fame. Like he's the leading scorer of the team of all time. Like he's like, like our bar is so high. So yes, it's, you don't want to see it. You especially don't want to see it because they knew it when they drafted him. Like they used a draft pick for him. However, like, I think it's just like, fair I don't know maybe I'm being too lenient but I'm not concerned about it now obviously if we get into game situations and he's missing easy 30 yard field goals that's a problem but he's making like from the 52 and the 56 and like missing from the 47 and it's just like okay whatever I don't know maybe I'm in the minority (laughs) I don't know. Here's here's my thought on it. And I could see, I think the Packers will want to give him ample opportunity. I don't think this is like a cuttable offense or anything, but I do think when you have a young quarterback, if Jordan's able to get them into field goal yeah. range, you want to capitalize on those points, right? Because you know Jordan's not going to drive down and yeah. score every single time they're in the red zone or on the opponent's side of the of the field. So that would be my only concern. Like that would have been really nice to have Mason Crosby because then, you know, you're continuously putting up points for your young quarterback. Yeah. But I also understand, you know, this is rich Basaccia's guy and they're understanding that there's growing pains at every NFL position and kicker is really no different. So hopefully Pat O'Donnell can be kind of a sounding board and a help there too, as the holder, because we know that he is a long tenured NFL vet. Yeah, totally. You make a very fair point, Maggie. <laughs> All I right. Agree. Any any final sights or sounds from week one? Or are you just, let's just get into week two, you know? Give us more training camp. I'm so excited. I'm so excited <laughs> for a preseason game. I'm so ready for joint practices. Um, I just want to skip ahead to September, but that's not how time works. So, yay, football. <laughs> I think that sums it up. Yay, football. This will drop on Thursday, August 3rd. So if you're listening to it today, that means that tonight there is NFL football on your TV, Jets-Browns in the Hall of Fame game. But that is all the time that we have for today's show. We'll be back next week, hopefully with some guests, maybe some people that were at training camp. It'd be fun to link up and and hear more in-person sights and sounds. But you can follow the podcast on Twitter at PWSS Podcast, on all other socials at Facts What She Said. And I'm Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. Thank you, as always, for listening to the show. We're really going to start ramping up the content now that football is getting closer and closer. And go Pack Go. Go Pack Go!